for Thursday, September 10th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, Officials in Georgia are already working to develop a network to deliver a possible coronavirus vaccine in the event researchers ever develop one. You know, I don't see the need to recreate something that's already out there existing. We just have to go out there and and have a very good census of where these uh, capabilities exist. John King, Georgia's insurance commissioner, has been tapped to lead the effort. He joins me to discuss the logistical challenges of getting a potential vaccine to people quickly and effectively. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Once researchers develop a coronavirus vaccine that's safe and effective, if they do it all, then another problem presents itself. How do you get that vaccine to people quickly? In Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp has tasked the state's insurance commissioner, John King, with figuring that out. Last week, he appointed King to lead the COVID-19 Vaccine Distribution Task Force. Joining me now to discuss what it will take to handle this major logistical operation is Commissioner King himself. Commissioner King, thanks for talking with me. Well, thank you. I want to start by just kind of talking about what a logistics operation like this could look like. Say we get a vaccine, you know, you're heading up this task force, putting together essentially a network to make sure this vaccine gets to people. What does that network look like to you? As I've been working on this for the last week or so since the governor's uh, announcement, is surprising how many agencies beyond the Department of Public Health are involved in establishing a network, a distribution network. And that's just the government side. Uh, A clear part of this response is going to require also our private partners, hospital groups, medical associations, public health officials, and and local leaders. So it's quite a a task before us. But uh, we're we're riding off the the established relationships that we've established in, in previous, not only in hurricane response, but the COVID testing uh, efforts. So this is just another task in this well-established network that we have across the state. Maybe point to point, is it the vaccines get dropped in a central distribution warehouse and then the state uses state assets to get those to hospitals? I mean, like, what does this actually look like, do you think? 
what we're doing now is we're meeting with McKesson, which has been selected by CDC and the federal government to be the distribution company that will distribute across the uh, states and territories. What we're trying to do with them is, first of all, we got to identify what permitting requirements exist in our state that McKesson will need so they can safely and efficiently bring those vaccines to the point of distribution if possible. But if not, then bring it to a central location in Georgia. And then we will use our network of not only contract, but state uh, assets to move these vaccines quickly and efficiently to make sure that we don't waste any vaccines which are brought to us. Because we understand that the numbers initially are going to be reduced because as they ramp up production, that's our time not only to test and evaluate our, our distribution network, but to make sure that we have using the priorities uh, generated by CDC and uh, Dr. Toomey's team and the Department of Public Health is making sure that we have adequate distribution to the populations that uh, they will help us identify that need to get it first. This almost seems like an operation that would be well suited for GEMA, um, which you mentioned in the wake of natural disasters deploys all over the state. What is your sense of, of why GEMA is not heading this up here? GEMA is a significant player in this uh, because they bring law enforcement, they bring other responders. They're key members of this team. And my job is to be the coordinator to make sure that all agencies and private partners are all integrated into this. You know, people would ask, okay, well, what is the insurance commissioner, you know, what expertise do you have? I'm not using my expertise as an insurance commissioner. I'm bringing my expertise as a not only as a former police chief, but also as a general officer in the military who is specialized on logistics and preparing and assisting local governments with disaster response. And I've done this not only in the COVID front, uh, going to New Orleans, New Jersey, New York, South Texas, working on COVID. So I bring a level of expertise that probably very few people in the state have. With an operation this size, there are going to be a number of challenges. The one that I think is potentially the most unique here is this isn't an asset, a vaccine that we're thinking about moving all over the state that actually requires some pretty specific conditions for that vaccine to remain effective. First among them, the two kind of leading vaccines have to be kept in very, very cold conditions. Talk to me about that that challenge and maybe the work that's already being done to make sure that facilities have the refrigeration equipment they need for this to work? You know, first of all, uh, our Department of Public Health and GEMA, as, as you mentioned prior, are doing an audit of where uh, the capability, not only in, in government-run facilities, but also in the private sector, where those facilities exist to make sure that that is a critical piece of our distribution plan is making sure that we can comply with the refrigeration requirements, and, you know, existing hospitals are in the hospital organizations are, are ideal because they do this already with other types of medicine. So, you know, I don't see the need to recreate something that's already out there existing. We just have to go out there and, and have a very good census of where these uh, capabilities exist. That, that is a key piece of, of the math involved in this logistical plan. What is your, your, your sense now of the state's capability? I mean, do we have facilities like that all over the state? I'll tell you, I, I am impressed. But remember, Georgia is such a transportation hub. The private capacity for the refrigeration, for transportation, 
we are ideally set in, in Georgia to be able to be successful. We don't have the challenges that some of other states in the nation have, you know, where more rural, longer distances, and not as many capabilities. So we're in really good shape. Uh, we got a lot of partners we're identifying, and we've been dealing business with McKesson. Uh, we're using the H1N1 base plan, and we're basically converting and working on that and expanding the scale of the of the response. You mentioned a few things there I want to pick up on. I mean, I think first, the H1N1 plan, this was the 2009 influenza pandemic, our nation's last kind of mass deployment of a vaccine to, to fight what was thought at the time had the potential to be a pandemic flu. That was a vaccine distribution operation that um, didn't go so well. How is that plan adaptable here if that plan didn't work all that well? There is a great deal of value in being able to examine. And, and, there's a, and there were some great after actions reviews done. There's a great deal of study into the, the success and, and, and the shortcomings of that plan. And the key is, is not repeating the mistakes that we did in that response. There's a lot to be learned uh, from that response. And we're using that as a baseline to, to not only take the successes there, but also making sure we make some vast improvements on that response. What is one particular thing that sticks out to you that you think could be improved from, from that response? The partnership with the private enterprise. That is key. The transportation networks taking advantage of the cold storage facilities that are already existing, you know, the Port Authority uh, resources, transportation. We have a more developed infrastructure network. And then GEMA bringing in partners so we can have a, you know, what I call a dynamic adjustment of if we have one area that has an excess capacity, but we have another area that has a shortcoming that we can adjust within that 12-hour period. We were working at looking at every possible you know, resource. And that's my job is not to recreate with the Department of Health. The Department of Health has got some incredibly talented clinicians and, and, uh, and professionals. My job is to, how do I take their plan and increase the scale and breadth of this uh, logistical plan? You mentioned hospitals earlier, too, and the role that they could potentially play in both storing and maybe even being access points for people to get this vaccine. That makes me wonder about the situation in in rural Georgia. You know, we have a number of counties here in the state that don't have hospitals. What is your sense of kind of the, the challenge that rural Georgia is going to present, especially maybe for individuals who are lower income, who don't have access to good transportation? What about those folks? Those are keys that we have to work. There's not a one solution uh, to this problem. I mean, you know, the regional hospitals are going to be a great place to nothing else to store and help our distribution plan. And the uh, district health departments are key to this. And, and Dr. Toomey has been working very hard to make sure that everybody's on the same sheet of music. And they're very impressed. Uh, they've been leading the effort on the testing and uh, contract tracing, all those things that the, those uh, district uh, health officials have been absolute leaders there in, in getting the coverage that we needed across the state. So we could then expect, just to pull this out, maybe a regional hospital getting vaccine to a county public health office and having that be an access point? That would be a logical place to start. We, we, we want to take advantage of the capability a regional health center has. But then we have to push beyond those regional centers to, to get it to those areas that don't traditionally have a, a small hospital or a medical facility. So, yes, 
You mentioned testing, too, to kind of pull on that a little bit. You know, we, we've seen at least, according to numbers from the, the White House, their last few coronavirus task force reports, the number of tests performed here in the state of Georgia have really declined over the last few weeks. And this, to me, is a question not so much about public health and how do you encourage people to get tested, but just kind of the infrastructure and whether or not it's enough to build it or whether or not you need to get it to people. State officials have said, we have the testing infrastructure. People People aren't just taking advantage of it. How do you overcome that if we think about the kind of purely logistics side of it when it comes to a vaccine? I tell you, this logistical plan and this plan that we're trying to coordinate through my office is not just a supply-demand challenge. It's a communications challenge as well because we've seen we have plenty of capacity for testing across the state. Dr. Toomey and, and her team have done a fantastic job of making those tests available. The challenge now is it's it, this is coupled also with a, a communications uh, plan that we have to make sure that people have confidence that the vaccine will be available, that is will do what it's supposed to do. We have to make sure that people understand that we've gone through a lot of effort to get this vaccine available, but if people don't have the confidence to take the vaccine, we're no better than we are today. It's really important for us to be able to communicate you know, with confidence. We're excited about being able to, I mean, not, I have not gotten any pushback from anybody that we've spoken to, not private or government agencies. They all understand the seriousness of uh, this effort. And uh, Governor Kemp has given us clear guidance of, of hey, we need to have a, a good, solid plan that we test beforehand. That way we are, you know, operating at the peak of efficiency to make sure these vaccines are available to any Georgian that, that wants it. The state of public health emergency that Georgia has been under since, I think, early March, um, it's been extended by the governor multiple times. One of the things that that does is actually give the state a little bit more power to, say, put larger trucks on the road, let truckers drive more hours. That's kind of traditional state of emergency stuff. But then there's also language in there about really encouraging and maybe even making compulsory vaccination. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you foresee us getting to a point where we're going to have to require people to get this thing? I don't, you know, Georgia has taken a, a different approach. We, we, and I, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of the governor on this, but I have had no discussion with anybody. And, and Dr. Toomey has been very, uh, very clear uh, on, you know, we want to encourage, we want to show that this is, that the science is behind, that this is a good product that will make us safer and we can open our economy. But the idea of imposing uh, Amanda, like that, I, I just, I'm not sure that Georgia and, and I would probably be uh, supportive of that. I think we can do a better job of you know, communicating clearly and leading by by example. And I, and I know those authorities are there, but I haven't heard anybody having any serious discussion about using those kind of authorities. You mentioned public trust here, too. I mean, I think that the logistics side is certainly part of it. But also, if we pull back and look at the bigger picture, the kind of speed with which these vaccine candidates, which, again, let's be very clear, we still don't have a vaccine. We don't know if we'll have an effective vaccine. But there's been a really strong push from federal officials to develop this quickly. And then there is concern among public health experts that the speed with which this is happening has already undermined public trust. Now we have state officials like yourself um, who are having to put together networks that people have to put faith in. Talk to me a little bit more about the level of public trust you think is out there. I mean, do you think we're to a point where you have a lot of trust to rebuild here? 
the task that the governors asked me to do is to be the coordinator of the distribution network. And you have a point. But I'll tell you, you've seen the announcement from all the bio companies that are producing these. They have come out with very clear you know, statements of what they are. I, there's a great deal, of, obviously, of, of election year politics involved in this. But you know what? I, I'm going to have faith in Dr. Toomey. Uh, she's our lead you know, medical professional. I trust her. I've traveled all over the state with her. We've engaged the Latino community. We've engaged all kinds of, and you know what? I trust her. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an insurance commissioner. I, I'm, a, I'm a soldier and I'm a, and I'm a former police chief. I don't have, a, you know, a, a, you know, an area of expertise to, to see, but I have to trust that the system is going to get, a, you know, go around this whole nonsense of the politics. And they're going to have a product that's going to make Americans and Georgians safer so we can open our society back to pre-COVID. John King is Georgia's insurance commissioner. He's also been tapped by Governor Brian Kemp to set up a distribution network for a possible coronavirus vaccine here in Georgia. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. Special thanks to Stephen Key. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.